my entire community knew that I was adopted. I was the only person in the dark and it was about me. So all my whole church, all my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents, I mean, obviously they knew, but my mom had pretty much sworn them to secrecy. Like you cannot tell her that she's adopted. So when I went around and I was like telling my cousins and my friends and stuff, they were like, oh yeah, we knew that. So that was really hard. Even as an eight year old, I was like, seriously, everybody knows but me. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoption. I'm Damon Davis, and today my guest is Margaret Jane. She lives right in the middle of rural Michigan, outside of Carson City. When Margaret Jane asked her mother if she was adopted, it was an emotional revelation, both for her adoptive parents and for MJ, who learned her community already knew she was adopted. Incredibly, since her earliest days, MJ has been connected to her husband, her in-laws, and unbelievably, her birth mother too, but she didn't even know it. MJ shares her challenges with everyone knowing that she was adopted when she did not, juxtaposed against the truly positive experience of everyone coming together in loving, accepting ways to reform their unique family. This is Margaret Jane's journey. Margaret Jane is named after her two adoptive grandmothers, Margaret and Laura Jane. Her mother calls her by her full name to honor both women. She said while her mom hates it, her dad calls her MJ for short, and I kind of like it too, so I'll call her MJ as well. MJ grew up in Michigan, where she has always lived a pretty rural life with lots of extended family and cousins around. She told me adoption was not a topic that her family talked about at all, and she didn't know she was adopted until she was eight years old. MJ was an only child at home until she was 15 years old, when her parents adopted four more children out of foster care. I asked MJ about learning she was adopted and if she remembered the situation around her adoption being revealed. Oh yeah, it's burned into my memory forever, I think. <laughs> so my mom was cleaning out her closet and there was a picture that we had always had up in our house and it was a picture of her holding me when I was a newborn and she was wearing like a white shirt with blue flowers on it it was just always there and when she cleaned out her closet she pulled that shirt out and I said mom that's the shirt you have on when I was born is that the shirt that you wore when you had me and she was just yeah <laughs> she didn't really know what to say and so then I, I got thinking like okay this is interesting and so then I asked again oh, where was I born again? Because I think I knew, uh, but I just wanted to ask again. And she said, you were born in Toledo, Ohio. And I knew, I was old enough, far enough along in school that I knew that was not super close to where we were. And I said, oh, did we live there? And she said, no, we never lived there. And I said, well, why did you go that far to have a baby? And she, again, didn't know what to say. So I remember later in the day, we were visiting my dad's office and he's an attorney. So we were at his office for the day. And I finally, I just asked both of them, I was like, am I adopted? Because that's really weird that you went to Toledo, Ohio to have a baby. And they both looked at each other and they looked at me and they're like, well, yeah, you actually are. And I was like, oh, I wasn't really expecting that answer. So, you know, it was really emotional. I definitely cried. And I think a big reason that I got emotional as a little kid was that my mom was really emotional. My dad was really he was really cool about it. He was really calm and collected, but my mom's a pretty emotional person. So 
I think it was hard for her. I don't think they had really intended on telling me that I was adopted until I was older. They wanted to keep it a secret. And a big reason that they chose to do that was that actually my adoptive grandmother was adopted. She was adopted at birth in 1938. And I'm sure you're familiar with adoptions back then. Nobody told anybody anything. And so that was her encouragement of what to do for me when they adopted me. And they just followed that. So I remember asking just like a little bit of information, like, okay, who are my birth parents? Obviously, I knew that I was born in Toledo. And they said, as far as we know, they're still there. They gave me the first names of my birth mom and my birth dad and basically said that my birth mom was a lovely young girl who they loved and she was beautiful and she was sweet and she was smart. And they only got to meet my birth dad once, but he was handsome and charming and really sweet, but they were unable to raise me. And so they chose my parents. And that was basically all of the information that I got at that time. Wow. Can I ask, so you said you were eight years old when you had this question of your parents. Did you really know what adoption meant? I mean, it's so fascinating to me to think that you came out with such a bold question. Oh my gosh, I had no idea what adoption meant. The funny thing is, so obviously I was an only child at the time. I had never seen my mom pregnant. I hadn't really been exposed to pregnancy up until that point. At that point, we had started going to a new church and my closest friend at the church, her mom was pregnant at the time when I met them. And so I was there through the whole process of her mom being pregnant and her belly growing and then her giving birth. And I remember going over to their house after my best friend's little brother was born and seeing him as a baby And so I was aware of pregnancy and birth at that point. And I think when I saw the picture of me as a newborn in a hospital setting with my mom in that shirt, and then I saw the shirt, it was like, oh, I know where babies come from. I know that mommies have to be pregnant. I know that they give birth. And I think that's the only reason I even bothered to ask the question like, oh, this is the shirt you gave birth in, right? Because I wasn't aware until then. I'm the youngest of all my cousins, or one of the youngest. So I'd never seen any of my aunts pregnant either. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that would have that question would have been prompted in me if I hadn't seen my best friend's mom pregnant. Yeah, that makes sense. But lost. as far as adoption, I really don't know. I probably had heard the word adoption from movies and TV. I don't know if you're familiar with the book, the old book and kind of TV series Madeline. I know it generally. I, yeah. I was obsessed with Madeline. Before I knew I was adopted, I was obsessed with Annie. I was obsessed with Tarzan. Like any kids movie or TV show that had anything to do with adoption, I gravitated towards. Even before I knew, I was like, this is fascinating. These people have different parents or they're adopted. So I think that was really my only connection to adoption. I didn't have friends or family that I was aware of at the time that were adopted. Really, really interesting. So... Your parents were pretty emotional about having come out and revealed that you were adopted. What do you remember thinking in terms of yourself? Like, wow, they're really emotional about how I joined this family. Do you recall feeling any kind of way about it? Well, my mom and her family are, they're very emotional. They cry about everything. They cry constantly. I don't know if you've ever seen my Big Fat Greek Wedding. No. My mom's family is Greek. If you ever see that, that's literally my family. (laughs) They're super emotional. They're super loud. I'm not like that. I am not like that at all, but I'm used to it. So when she got really emotional about it, I, it prompted me to be emotional because monkey see monkey do. And I don't know. 
I've always been a people pleaser. I'm, I call myself a recovering people pleaser, but I think her emotions made me emotional and I didn't want to upset her because as a little kid, it's hard to differentiate between like happy tears and sad tears. And so I think I thought, oh, my mom's upset about this. So I'm just going to not talk about this anymore, which is how the rest of my childhood went after that because I didn't want to upset her. Gotcha. So you didn't ask her about it anymore after that. Is that right? Yeah. So I found out when I was eight and I didn't really talk about it. The only other thing I remember is she encouraged me to tell like my friends and family that I knew because this is something that is still hard to this day. My entire community knew that I was adopted. I was the only person in the dark and it was about me. So all my whole church, all my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents, I mean, obviously they knew, but my mom had pretty much sworn them to secrecy. Like you cannot tell her that she's adopted. So when I went around and I was like telling my cousins and my friends and stuff, they were like, oh yeah, we knew that. So that was really hard. Even as an eight-year-old, I was like, seriously, everybody knows but me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... This is one of the big challenges that adoptees face when everybody in the community knows this big secret about your life, your existence, how you came to be part of the family and the community. Everybody knows but you. It's the weirdest daggone thing. And you're like, yeah, seriously, nobody wanted to tell me this. This is crazy, right? I know. It's so hard and so confusing, especially finding out at eight years old. Go back for a moment. You said that your mom knew had met your birth parent like she seemed to have characteristics about them she said that she was a lovely woman and she was smart and pretty tell me a little bit about how your adoptive mother knew facts about your biological mother okay so my situation of how my adoptive parents and my biological parents came to meet each other i think is really unique i've listened to a lot of adoptee stories and i haven't quite heard anything like it Basically, I'll start with my adoptive parents. They got married later in life. They were in their late 30s when they got married. So they pretty quickly decided that they wanted to have a family. And so they started trying to have a baby early in their marriage. And they quickly discovered that they had some pretty serious fertility issues. They suffered a lot of pregnancy loss. And they had the advice of a lot of different doctors and stuff. And it just wasn't happening. So they ended up settling on adoption. And... My mom was really familiar with adoption because her mother was adopted and her father was adopted and her best friend was adopted. So it was something that was really familiar to her in her life. And so once she convinced my dad, hey, we should try this, they did. And they told their whole community, like they told the church, they told their friends, they told their parents, their family, everyone, we're going to, we're going to try to pursue adoption to grow our family. And it's funny, this is just how my mom is. Before they like got into contact with an agency or an attorney or anything, she immediately turned their spare bedroom into a nursery. Like a fully equipped nursery, crib, decoration, car seat, everything. They had everything ready for a baby. And her really good friends from church that she had known her whole life, Steve and Lisa, came over and Steve said, Do you have something to tell us? Like, are you pregnant? What is going on here? And she said, No, I just figured if I made a nursery, God would fill it with a baby. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And he was like, okay, you just, you you do whatever you're going to do. And then her dad came over and he was the same way. She's a lot like her dad. And he came over with this paperweight. This is a funny part of my story, but he came over with this paperweight 
there's this beautiful blown glass with these beautiful pink and red flowers in it. And he said, this was really, this is really special to me. This was my mom's and I want you to put it in the nursery. And then when this baby is, or when this nursery is filled with a baby, whether it's through adoption or whether you get pregnant or whatever, you give it back to me. And she said, okay. So it sat on the dresser that eventually was my dresser. And he actually ended up passing away before I was born. He died about 10 months before I was born. So she never got to give it back to him. So it's my paperweight now. But anyway, fast forward just a little bit. I'll skip ahead for a second. I love that. When I ended up being placed in their home and everything, she picked up that paperweight, flipped it over, and the bottom said Toledo, Ohio Glass Company. And I was born in Toledo, Ohio. Oh, wow. So, That's really yeah. cool, huh? Yeah. Wow. So he was actually also born in Toledo, Ohio, and that's where he grew up. And we ended up figuring out later that we were born in the same hospital. Whoa, for real? That's incredible. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. really cool. So I never got to meet him, but he predicted, you're going to get a baby from Toledo. Here you go. So anyway, back to how my parents ended up meeting my biological parents. So... Like I said, they had told their whole community, we want to adopt, but I don't know that they had, I think they were like legally ready. I think they had their home study in place and everything, but they hadn't really pursued an agency or anything, but their community knew. So they were on a work trip and how do I explain this? (laughs) (laughs) They were on a work trip and I mentioned Steve and Lisa earlier. Lisa was a lifelong friend of theirs. Lisa's sister called her and said, (laughs) my best friend's niece is pregnant. She's decided to place the baby for adoption. She had a placement pretty much her entire pregnancy. It just fell through. She's due any day now, and she's very desperate for a placement. Oh, wow. And so back then, they didn't have cell phones, so and they were on a work trip way in northern Michigan. And so Lisa got this information. She ended up calling my grandmother and my grandmother somehow got a hold of them and they drove directly from where they were from their work trip all the way down to Toledo, Ohio. I think it was like an eight or nine hour drive and met with my biological mother and her parents. And so pretty soon after that, it might've been on that trip, actually, my birth mother told them that she had chosen them to adopt me and... I found out later that a big reason why she chose them is because my adoptive father actually looks extremely similar to my biological father. They look like they could be brothers. And she thought, oh, this baby might look like her dad, which would be really cool for her growing up. And so that was a big reason. When she was 13 years old, following her adolescent curiosity, which was feeding off of the absence of genetic mirrors in her family, MJ decided to ask her mom about the story of her adoption. Margaret Jane said her adoptive parents had several meetings with her birth mother in the month before she was born. They built a relationship with the 20-year-old woman who was still living with her own parents during the time of her pregnancy. Years later, when MJ was 17 years old, she had a dream about having a sister, a young lady who looked just like her in the dream. MJ went downstairs that morning and told her mother about the weird, very vivid dream she had just had. Wait until you hear what MJ discovers as a result of sharing her dream. My mom is all about dreams and their meanings and stuff. And so she said, oh, okay. And she went into her closet and she came out with this old paper box and handed it to me. And she said, this is yours. 
and it was full of what I call my adoption memorabilia. Tons of pictures of my adoptive family meeting my birth family, pictures of my entire birth family, like everyone. There was a scrapbook that my birth mom had made for me with pictures of her entire family and their birth dates and fun facts about them. And there were birthday cards from my grandparents and email correspondence between my adoptive grandmother and my biological grandmother that had been printed out. And there was a letter from my birth mom to me when she, the day that she signed the papers to relinquish me. So it was just full to the brim of stuff about my adoption. And she gave it to me. And that was another really emotional thing. And my mom got really emotional about it, but she was happy to give it to me. She was happy for me to see that. I was obviously really happy to see it. I had never seen anybody that was biologically related to me. I'd never seen a picture. So seeing that was incredible because it was like, oh, I can see my face in other people finally. And I mean, there were pictures of my birth. There were pictures of me coming out. There were pictures in the hospital when my parents first came to meet me. It was crazy. Wow. That is, wow, that's unbelievable. Like a whole documented, whenever she's ready, here's the whole history. I mean, most people have to dig and scrape and search to try to find even a portion of what you've just outlined. But you had the whole thing. That's really crazy. Yeah. So that's more or less when I found out. Uh, how much contact they had over my life. And that's when I found out that they had actually had regular contact and visitation the entire first year of my life. There were birthday cards for my first birthday from my biological grandparents and my biological mother to me that they had sent. And birthday gifts and Christmas gifts for my first Christmas. And that's actually when I found out that they had come up for my baby dedication. And for anyone that's not familiar with baby dedications, So in our religion, our church has baby dedications, and basically any baby that was born in the church that year, we have a special service on Sunday morning, and all the parents stand up at the front with their babies, and the pastor says a blessing over them in front of the whole congregation. It's it's a really sweet tradition that we have. And they actually invited my birth mom and her parents up for that. And so they attended that when I was, I believe, two months old. And so they actually had my birth mom stand up with them for that ceremony. Wow. So there's pictures of that. So what's funny is I have a picture of my birth mom and then my adoptive parents holding me and we're standing up during the ceremony. Somebody took a picture and there were probably 20 babies born in our church that year. So there were a lot of people standing up there, but we're standing right next to Steve and Lisa who had a baby that year as well, who was born a month before me. Oh, that's crazy. Wow. So we're all standing there and Fast forward several years, I actually ended up marrying that baby. You lie. You married Steve and Lisa's baby? Yep. (laughs) Oh, that's hysterical. So they're my (laughs) in-laws. Oh, that's really funny. I have all my parents in one picture, and I'm a two-month-old baby, and I'm right next to my husband, who was a three-month-old baby. So that's a really special picture. Wait a minute. You just blew my mind. Hold on a second. You had your adoptive (laughs) mom and dad. You had your biological mother. You had your mother-in-law and father-in-law and your future husband in one shot. That is crazy. I know. And That's really cool. My adoptive dad said that at that ceremony, Jenny pretty much held me. Jenny is my birth mom. I don't know if I'd mentioned her name, but she had held me pretty much the whole day because there was like a, a church potluck afterwards and like a big party. And she said, he said, I remember specifically the only other baby that she held that day was Isaac. 
and that's my husband. Oh, that's really funny. Oh my god. I know. Isn't that weird? So crazy. How cool. So, and I was actually dating him at the time. We had just started dating when I got that box and I saw the picture and I was like, are you kidding me? That is crazy. Oh, wow. So we have that picture framed in our house for sure because that's a unique one. Yeah, absolutely. That is, I've never heard of anything like that. That's a really unbelievable. Wow. I mean, not just mom and dad, but the in-laws too is just crazy. I know. And we're all super close. Like I live a mile from my parents and then the other direction, a mile from my in-laws. So we're all very involved in each other's lives. We're one big happy family. That's really cool. So going back to how my adoptive family connected with my biological family, Mm -hmm. the woman who ended up making the call is my husband's aunt. Really? She's the one. So my husband's aunt called my husband's mother, my mother-in-law, and she was the one that got a hold of my parents. So my husband's aunt is best friends with my biological mother's aunt, and they're still very close to this day. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So So your marriage was like well orchestrated before you were even born. That's (laughs) nuts. That's crazy. (laughs) I know. It's so crazy. MJ has shared that her mother was almost like a character from the movie My Big Greek Wedding, emotional and expressive. But MJ also said she was not that way herself. I was curious to learn how MJ described herself as a young woman and how she would describe her relationship with her adoptive parents. Yeah, my mom has a really big personality. That's how her entire family is. And my dad is definitely the more relaxed person. So I was really connected to both my parents. My mom was hyper about bonding and connecting, and she pretty much never let me out of her sight the first five years of my life. So I was extremely bonded to them. And they gave me an excellent childhood. Seriously, I was spoiled to death by my parents. They were obsessed with me. (laughs) So it was a really good childhood. Uh, I was really connected to my dad. I still am. We're still very close. And I still have a really good relationship with my mom. It was bumpy here and there as a teenager, like all teenagers. I was a rebellious, snotty teenager, and she was just trying to do the best for me. So it was definitely hard at times with my adoption because she was very sensitive about it. and. I understand why she went through tremendous amounts of loss trying to grow her family. And it was really hard for her. And I can be sympathetic towards that. But yeah, we had a really good connection. We always have. We still do. She's very involved in our lives. Like I said, I only moved a mile away from home when I got married. So I see her on a weekly basis. We still go to church together. We talk pretty much every day. So yeah, it's a good relationship. That's great. Really good to hear. And then tell me a little bit about your teenage years. You mentioned earlier that at around 15, your parents adopted four more kids from foster care. Tell me a little bit about your teen years and how adoption really came to be an even bigger part of your existence, but from the other side, watching other adoptees come into the family. Yeah, so I'll even go a little bit further back than that. When I was 13, like I mentioned earlier, That was a really hard time for me with my adoption, just trying to pin down an identity, really. And I was really depressed. And I I ended up being counseled quite a bit by my grandmother because she had been through that as well. And that was actually really helpful to have that other adoption connection in my family. And I'm still really close to my grandma. She's awesome. But yeah, so when I was, I think I was 14 when they actually came to live with us. And pretty much all through my childhood, my parents 
wanted to grow their family even bigger. I remember when I was really little, my parents went through some other fertility routes that didn't end up working out. But I do remember that. And I remember being told, like, we're trying to grow our family. We're trying to give you a sibling. And then we had some adoptions that failed that didn't work out. And I was right there in the middle of it. And then we ended up doing foster care and we were placed with a family group of four. And they were in our home for almost two years before we adopted them. So I was right in the middle of all of it. I was the right-hand man with helping taking care of them. They were four, two, and then we had a newborn when they came to live with us. So it went from a very quiet home to complete chaos really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I was right in the thick of it. I remember going to all the court hearings, like with their biological parents. I went to all the parent visits and helped. I wanted to be in the middle of it. And so that definitely grew my understanding of adoption and even just like the legality of all of it. I was right in the middle of it. So what did you think as you watched these children go through this legal process of going from one, well, what was a family structure to being in the system and being wards of the state or the locality and then being part of your family? How did, what did you think when you saw this is how adoption unfolds for other kids? Oh, it was heartbreaking. It was so hard to watch because they went from just a horrible situation with their biological parents and then they went to another foster home and then they went to our home and the trauma that comes with that for kids. And I always say all adoption is trauma. I have trauma because of my adoption, even though mine was pretty clean cut, but their adoption was traumatic. There's even more layers of trauma for them still to this day. And it was so hard to watch. It definitely unveiled some of the more messy parts of adoption for me, for sure. And it was just, it was so painful to watch them go through that because I loved them so much. And I had a lot of sympathy for their birth parents too, because I was going to parent visits every week. I got to know them. And even though they were broken people that were caught up in addiction and all sorts of horrible things, I still grew a love for them because I got to know them. And so watching them have to separate permanently was really hard, but there was also a lot of joy because I finally got siblings. I always wanted siblings from the time I was about three years old. I started praying and asking God for siblings. I said, I even specifically said, I want a sister and then I want a brother and a sister that are twins because I was obsessed with twins. Like all my baby dolls were twins. <laughs> and that's exactly what I got. Get out of they here. Came are you to serious? Us. Really? Yeah. They were, th- we had a three year old little girl and then boy girl twins that were one. And then eventually their birth mom had a baby and she was placed with us directly from the hospital during their foster care stay. So I always call her my bonus sister because oh I didn't gosh. specifically pray for her. But <laughs> That is so crazy. You talk about manifesting yeah. in your family. Your, your oh, mom manifested the, the birth of yeah. you and your aunt manifested this marriage by virtue of bringing you into the family and you're praying for siblings at three and here they come. Yep. I mean, wow, this is crazy. Yeah, really, lots of really prayer. Wild. Lots of prayer in mm-hmm. our family. MJ had an unbelievable set of information that most adopted people have to hope they will ever receive. She had a valuable picture of herself with her adoptive parents, her birth mother, and her future in-laws holding her future husband, all in the same shot. MJ had the knowledge that her adoptive parents were only a few degrees of separation from her birth mother, and they had a relationship at the time of her birth. 
it would seem like MJ would be very tempted to try to meet her birth mother. So I asked what made her decide to search. So that's a complicated answer for me because I always knew that I was going to search. I always knew someday I have to meet this woman. I didn't know when, I didn't know how, but I knew someday it was going to happen. And my mom, she was sensitive to the whole thing and understandably she was sensitive. And she had always encouraged me, maybe just wait until you're a little older. Wait until you're a little bit settled in life, until you make big decisions. I don't know. I think she was a little nervous about it and that's okay. I get it. So I got the adoption box when I was, I think, 17 and then my husband and I actually got married at 19. We were very young. And not long after we got married, a few months or so, we ended up getting pregnant with our oldest son. And I've heard so many adoptees say this, but pregnancy and birth and having a biological child really wakes something up in you when it comes to your adoption. I got pregnant and with all three of my pregnancies, I've had complicated issues. I've been high risk and every time I go to the doctor, all these issues, they're genetic. What do you know about your genetic medical history? And I don't know anything. I'm sorry. So being pregnant with my first, I really thought about it. I thought somebody did this with me. Like Somebody carried me in their body. They gave birth to me. And I have no idea who that woman is. And I can't even imagine because this, I haven't even had this baby yet. And I'm so connected to this baby. I just my brain could not process adoption when I was pregnant. And when I actually had him, he was my first biological connection. He was the first person I ever saw that was biologically related to me. And that was so special. Like, it's still so special. He's almost six now. And we're so bonded because of that. When he came out, he looked just like me. And it was just absolutely wild. And through that whole process of pregnancy, my husband actually. Okay, we could contact them. We could reach out. Oh, I forgot to mention too, when I got my adoption box, my adoptive mom was like, well, let's look everybody up on Facebook. <laughs> so oh, wow. we did. And we found them all super easily. Like nobody was trying to hide. Hmm. And it was at that point that I found out that I had two half brothers through my birth mom. Okay. So I was hit with a lot more information. And that was hard because I didn't know the circumstances of my adoption. Mm -hmm. And so at that point in my life, I had never heard of a birth mom placing a baby and then keeping a baby. And so oh. that was another tough thing because it was like, what was so wrong with me that you didn't keep me, but you kept him? Mm -hmm. Like, why did you do that? I did not understand. And it was also really hard because obviously my four siblings were with us at that time already. We had adopted them. But it was like, I prayed for siblings all these years and I've had a brother this whole time and I didn't know. And I don't get to be raised with him. I don't get to know him yet. So at that point, I knew, sorry, I didn't think I'd get emotional. <laughs> at that point, I knew I was going to find these people eventually. And I was going to connect because I had to know my brothers. Yeah, I had two little brothers. Can you tell me, just pause for a moment. You're looking at these people in real life now. These, this is them in current day. It's one thing to see the photos of them when they were younger had given birth to you and things like that but now you're looking at the real people of today on facebook back then what was it like to just see these folks that you're related to and see the they're living their life out there did you see your face on their face did you see like similar interests what was it like to see them on facebook at that time 
Yeah, so that was weird. It was mind-blowing. I still don't even have words to describe it because I look pretty much exactly like my birth mom. And I mean, we have the same hair. We have the same face. I'm taller than her, but we look super similar. Everybody says it now when they see us. And the other crazy thing was through her Facebook, which was pretty, pretty open. She definitely was not trying to hide from me. She is an avid gardener, houseplant collector, excuse me, and I am too. I've had a veggie garden every single year since I was eight years old. And that is something my adoptive parents, they just don't do that. My adoptive mom has proclaimed herself with a black thumb. She cannot keep a plant alive to save her life. And I have had, like, I tried to grow watermelons in her front yard and I did it successfully when I was eight years old. And it's just something that I have loved. I got my first house plant. My dad bought me an aloe plant when I was seven and I kept it alive for five years. Wow. So, and that was something on her Facebook that she was very into and talked about a lot. And so my mom and I, my adopted mom and I saw that and our jaws just hit the floor. We're like, oh, that's where that passion comes from because it certainly doesn't come from us. So MJ was pregnant with her son when her husband suggested they could try to connect with her birth mother. She and her husband had only been married for a year and with so much happening in their new lives together, Margaret Jane just couldn't imagine taking on one more life-changing event. When they finally started her search, MJ was able to verify her similar looks to her birth mother and their shared gardening interests from the woman's posts online. MJ shared that she struggled with postpartum depression after her son was born and how listening to podcasts and other people's adoption stories was massively helpful in her healing. And I didn't even realize that I was struggling with it until I had my second child two and a half years later. And I didn't have that struggle. And so with my oldest, his name is Walter, I was just really sad for like the first year of his life. And it wasn't because I wasn't bonded to him or didn't love him. But I think a lot of it had to do with adoption. I think I was so consumed with, well, what the heck was wrong with me? I love this baby so much. Why didn't she keep me? I just, I could not get past that. So. With my second, when I got pregnant with him about two years later, I decided to be proactive because I started to have all those same emotions come up. And I said, I do not want to be sad about this anymore. I need to find community in this. And so that's when I discovered podcasts. The first podcast about adoption that I ever listened to was called Adoption Now. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's hosted by an adoptive mom, but she interviews adoptees, she interviews birth parents, she interviews adoptive parents. So everyone yeah. from the triad. I think I have. And then, that. yeah. Yeah. So that was really helpful because it was the first time I had ever heard a birth parent speak. And the first time I'd ever heard other adoptees express the same opinions and struggles that I have. So that made me feel a lot less alone. And so that pregnancy was a lot easier. And that postpartum was a lot easier as far as adoption goes because, I mean, I just started binging podcasts like crazy. I think your podcast was the second one that I found. And I think I listened to every episode in like two weeks. It was ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. I was like, oh, my gosh. Other people are like me and they're finding their birth parents. What? It was crazy. It was so awesome to hear other people's stories. It was just it was really healing. And, you know, I've tried talk therapy it doesn't work for me, but listening to other people's stories is yeah. so healing for me. Yeah. I just, I love it so much. Yeah. 
This is exactly why we do it too, just as a sidebar. I mean, any of the other adoptee podcasters will tell you the same thing. And there's NPE podcasters and all kinds of other stuff. And they'll all tell you the same thing. Because people feel alone, we want to make sure to get everybody's story out there because they're all one so so vastly different. They're yeah. none of them are the same. And but they all have some similarities that people can relate to. And it's in those similarities with the differences and the nuanced differentiation of everybody's story that you find community that is unbelievable. So I'm really glad that you were able to find community and listening to other people's story. That's awesome. So go ahead. You were, yeah. you were binging, binging, binging. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So, so many stories. I could not get enough. And yeah, now I'm on a kick with the NPEs. Like I'm listening to all those podcasts. Mm-hmm. I think those are so fascinating. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm still binging all the podcasts this day. That was three and a half years ago. But yeah, I think I was driving my husband crazy because I would just send him adoptee podcast one after the other at work. And he was like, okay, this is a lot. Like, mm-hmm. are you okay? You're just listening to these all day. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So when my son was one, well, I'll back up a little bit. When I was pregnant with him and I was listening to all these podcasts, I basically started praying, hey, if these, if I'm supposed to connect with my birth family, you're going to have to make them find me because <laughs> I am way too much of a chicken to ever reach out. <laughs> like I am just too nervous. I don't think I could handle another rejection. And if I'm supposed to connect with these people, they're going to have to come get to me because I'm not doing it. That was my prayer, which is silly. But around when my son turned one, my adoptive mom sat me down and said, your birth mom is connected with your cousin. And she kind of had a medical scare and she's really concerned about you because it's genetic and she wants to make sure that you get everything checked out. So my birth mom had met my cousin at my baby dedication. They're actually the same age. It's my oldest cousin. So that was, I was like, oh, okay. So they're reaching out now. I guess, I guess that prayer has been answered. I guess it's on me now. And I told my mom right then and there in that conversation, I said, okay, I'm going to reach out to her. And my adopted mom was like, okay, I can support you in that. I think it's time. And I was like, I think it's time too, because I can't move on in life until I do this. And that was really scary. But that week, I typed up a message and I rewrote it probably a dozen times. And I mean, right before I sent it, I burst into tears. And my husband was like, it's okay. She's going to respond. Like, you don't need to worry about her ignoring you. She's going to respond. And I actually sent it on Facebook. And I know a lot of people are like, don't connect through Facebook. But I had been watching her on Facebook all these years. I was like, this is the way that I got to connect. And she ended up responding in five minutes. Wow. I mean, it was immediate. Oh, my gosh. She was like, of course, I know who you are. And I remember you. Yes, I want to meet you soon. And she actually ended up saying, let's meet in a week. I'll come to you. And I was like, wow, that was really fast. But there's no going back now, I guess. Wow. So, yeah, we set something up and she came to me. We met at one of my favorite restaurants. Uh, I forced my husband to go with me. I was like, I'm not doing this by myself. So, so tell me came. about the lead up about before you even get to the restaurant. Like, this is the day before, right? She's coming tomorrow. You're going to meet at your restaurant. How, how are you feeling in this these days and hours before meeting her? Oh, absolutely sick. Yeah, I could not eat for like two days before. I remember the only thing I ate for probably 24 hours before was a piece of cheesecake. 
I could not eat food. I was like, I'm going only to comfort throw foods. up. Yes, only comfort foods. I had made a cheesecake for some event and we had cheesecake left over. I was like, I'll try to eat a piece of cheesecake because it tastes really good. Mm. But I thought I was going to throw up for mm. two full days. And it was actually really cool because my adoptive parents were involved. I had decided I'm not doing this and lying. Like I'm so close to my adoptive family. I can't not tell them. They ended up babysitting our boys while we went and met her. So they were at my house while we were going to the restaurant. And yeah, the whole drive there, I was like, there were a couple times where I was like, we might have to pull over and I might have to barf because I'm so nervous. Like, <laughs> I can't breathe. I'm nauseous. I'm so scared. And my husband, he's so relaxed. He's like, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Just calm down. <laughs> so I was really glad that he was with me because he's definitely the calm one in the relationship. And he's I mean, I've known him my whole life, so he's my emotional support person for sure. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's unbelievable. So you go to the restaurant. Tell me about going in and meeting her. I knew who she was immediately. This was during COVID. It was March of 2021. So we had masks on, but I knew who she was immediately because we have the same hair. We have the same eyes. Like, we look so similar. And we just hugged. And we were both emotional, not like sobbing emotional, but teary-eyed and I think the first thing I said to her was, you're a lot shorter than I expected. Which is <laughs> <laughs> such a weird thing to say, but I'm 5'10 and she's only 5'6. Mm. And so I think I expected her to be taller. So that was funny. That's but, hilarious. you know, we sat down and it was one of my favorite restaurants. So I remember ordering like my favorite dish there. And I don't think I ate any of it because, again, I was so nervous. I couldn't eat. Mm. And... Mm. We talked, I think we were there for four and a half hours. Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, and I honestly, I can't really remember a whole lot of what we said because I was so nervous. But, you know, my husband is really good at keeping the conversation going. And so he was the one asking questions and like prompting the conversation because both of us were so nervous. Wow. I mean, she was definitely nervous and he was just really relaxed. And so I'm really glad that he was there because he was a mediator for the conversation, which was awesome. That's really incredible. Wow. So how did you leave things? You guys parted ways. She drives back. Did she bring anybody with her? Or was it just her? No. So it was just her. And I will just go back to our conversation just a little bit that I do remember. I asked about my brothers and she said, so they never knew about you. I never told them. They were 16 and 11 at the time. And she said, last night I sat them down and I told them. I was so nervous, but I told them and they didn't really say anything. And she said, okay, guys, do you have any questions? Because that's a really big life event that I just hit you with, but you have an older sister. And the youngest one just said, he's 11 at the time. He said, well, is she black? Because <laughs> I'm as white as can be. My adoptive family were all white and my two brothers, my half brothers, their dad is black. So they're half black. So their immediate question was, well, is she black? <laughs> that was the only question they That's asked. Hilarious. <laughs> my birth mom's like, no, she's white like me. And That's he was like, oh, okay. Funny. And she was like, do you have any more questions? He was like, no, I just want to know if she's black. Kids. Like, okay. <laughs> you gotta love kids, man. They're so funny. Ask the question that's just, most important to just me. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so cute. That's so, hilarious. Yeah, so we had that meeting. The other thing that I remember is I specifically asked, okay, I need your side of the story. Why was I placed for adoption? 
which was a big question, obviously. And she basically said, which I knew like a vague version of this that my parents had told me. They didn't have all the details, of course, but she said, I was in a relationship with your biological father and I got pregnant and we had planned to stay together and raise you. And then I found out that he was doing drugs and he just changed as a person and he was really scary. And she said it was really frustrating because he could not get it together enough for us to stay together and raise you. And she thought, maybe I can keep this baby and raise this baby on my own. And then she ended up finding out that he had a friend who had an eight-year-old daughter. He was one of his drug friends. And this man was basically pimping out his daughter at eight years old and using the money to support his drug habit. And she said, there's no way on earth this baby can be connected to this man at all. And so that's why she decided to choose adoption. And it was really hard for her. I mean, obviously for any birth mom, it's hard, but she was not addicted to drugs. She was working and she grew up in an upper middle class family that was very stable. They went to church. She had a really good family and life. And if she would have raised me, I would have been fine. I mean, my brothers are awesome. She's a fantastic mom. But because of my birth dad, she had to make that really difficult choice for me. Yeah. And that's a really important point because I've had that situation of part of the equation is positive and the other part is negative and would be detrimental to the child. So, and you know, that negativity is coming to the front door of the more stable home, right? There's no way to keep it separate. And so they realize that it's just, it's not conducive to any child's positive upbringing to have that attachment to that nefarious part of this other person. It's just, it's really tough. I, I had that in my family and I remember thinking we can't do this because even though we have the best intentions over here, all that drama over there and that criminality and all that other stuff, it knows where we live. It will find us. It's still going to leak in. Knock on your door and it's going to be the most awful situation. I'm sensitive to what she did. What did you think when you heard that? That was her reasoning. Hearing that it was really healing to know that part because like I expressed earlier, I always wondered what was wrong with me? Who gives away a baby? Like what's wrong with a perfect little baby? There was nothing wrong with me. I wasn't sick. I didn't have any issues. Like who gives away a baby? And so knowing that was just, it was so much comfort. When I was pregnant with my oldest son, I came out of the fog. A lot of adoptees use that term when you realize that adoption isn't all rainbows and butterflies. And that was a really hard experience. And it is for every adoptee when they realize that. But yeah, it was really healing. It was like coming full circle. Like I understand what you did and I'm really thankful for what you did. And she really wanted me to have a stable environment. She really wanted me to have a strong father figure who was stable, who would love me, who would take care of me. And that's a big reason why she chose my parents because my dad was just that. And he's a great dad. She did a good job picking. So yeah, I was really thankful to her and I understood in that moment. I understood all of it. So what ended up happening with your relationship? How did things go after you parted ways at your favorite restaurant where you didn't eat anything? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) didn't eat at all. So I'll just backtrack a little bit. When I found out that she had contacted my cousin, 
I actually found out that they had maintained a relationship for my entire life and that he was updating her on me through my entire childhood. Really? He was sending pictures. They, at first it was email correspondence and then it turned to Facebook correspondence. And yeah, so he ended up right before I met her, right before I contacted her, my mom had said, Hey, you should call your cousin because that's who she contacted. And so he, I called him and he started sending me screenshots of their conversations over the years, like my entire life. And yeah, that was crazy to find out that she actually had a window into my life, my whole life. That was also really comforting to hear. Really? Why was that? Well, in in the letter that she wrote me when I was a baby, one of the things that stuck out is she wrote, I'm really sad that I'm going to miss all your moments. You know, your high school graduation, your college graduation, your wedding, the birth of your first child these moments, it's really hard. And so knowing that she missed them in the sense that she wasn't there, but knowing that she got a little glimpse in real time from my cousin was really comforting. MJ's birth mother got way more information and updates about her daughter's life than the vast majority of birth mothers who place a child for adoption. She was able to see pictures and hear brief stories of MJ's life in near real time. And while she wasn't able to be present for the moments as they happened, She had the comfort of knowing her daughter was thriving. A month after their initial meeting, MJ's birth mother visited her home, bringing her half-brothers so MJ could meet them for the first time. At the same time, MJ's sons got to meet their new uncles and their new grandmother, whom her sons gravitated to very naturally. Two months later, MJ traveled down to Toledo, where she got to meet her maternal grandparents. Which was another really big moment for me and for them. And they were so happy to see me. I was the oldest grandchild and I think they have nine grandkids now. So it was definitely a big deal for them to lose me when I was adopted. So they were so glad to reconnect with me. And I'm still in contact with them to this day. They send us birthday gifts and Christmas gifts and I've gotten the opportunity to meet them a couple times and go to their home. So I'm still in contact with Jenny. It's my birth mom. We see each other probably every couple months. We text regularly, probably daily. Uh, A few months after I met her for the first time, she came up with my brothers and my adoptive parents came over with my siblings and we had like a big family dinner. And we do that pretty regularly, actually. We all get together. Really? So that's been really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So your adoptive parents and your biological mother all Mm -hmm. sit down to meals periodically. Yep. Wow. We all get together. Usually when Jenny comes up to visit, my adoptive parents end up coming over and we all hang out together. That's and hmm. we actually went on vacation a couple months ago together, all of us. Wow. So that was really special. Was it weird the first time Jenny was with you and your adoptive parents? Because you're there calling your mom. Like that's her name. That was the job. That's who she yeah. is in your life. Yet she, you are born from this other woman who was also standing there. Was that weird? I thought it would be weird and I was really nervous and I think I put it off for a while because they both wanted to see each other and I kept saying, okay, well, maybe next visit, maybe next time. And so I delayed it and then eventually I was like, I just got to do this. Like they want to see each other. I got to get over it. (laughs) And they instantly connected. They had built a relationship before I was born. They knew each other for a long time when I was first born, before I was born. And so they just reconnected instantly. And I'm pretty sure they talk to each other more than I talk to either of them. Like, they are constantly texting and calling each other, and they're really good friends now, which wow. is really funny. 
at first it was really overwhelming because it was, I have two moms now. I've got double the worry and double the checking in, but <laughs> now it's, I mean, I'm used to it now. It's just part of my dynamic. Yeah, that's really amazing. Really cool. Margaret Jane, this has been such a wild story for so many reasons. I mean, just <laughs> I can't get over the obvious one that you met your husband and your in-laws on the day of this special religious ceremony to celebrate the children who were brought into the world during that year. That I know. is just Isn't that wild? wild. But, you know, to know that your cousin was updating your birth mother such that when you reached out over Facebook, she was like, hey, of course I know who you are. Like, I've yeah. known who you are your whole life. And you yep. didn't even know she was saying that at the time. But just to know that she was out there as you said, peering in periodically with a window into your life and then is also positively introduced to your adoptive parents too. You're pretty lucky, Margaret Jane. There's not a lot of people who can say this much positivity about their adoption experience. Yeah, it's really unique. It, I haven't heard a story quite like it. Yeah. It's, it's different for sure. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's also important to acknowledge that while you've had all this positivity, you've also said, that there were some of the doubts and curiosities and frustrations of other adoption stories, right? That the entire community oh, yeah. knew who you were as an adoptee, but you didn't for a while. Like Absolutely. there's some themes in there that a lot of people that will resonate with a lot of people because they've experienced it too. And it's like you said, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. There's while your story is incredibly positive as is mine, there are definitely some very real life dramatic moments in there that make you that give you pause and make you question the some elements of adoption and I'm glad you pointed that out too. Oh, absolutely. Every adoption starts with a loss. There's no way around it. Doesn't matter how positive it is. Every adoption starts with a loss. Yeah. I'm glad to hear you say that cuz I've been framing that for people too. The notion that I've interviewed over 200 people on the show now and there's not a single one of the stories where a person has said I found my birth mother, and when I asked her my story, she said, life was just really great. I just decided to give you up for adoption. There's never oh, yeah. been that. It's never, yeah. ever that there's a positive situation that requires an adoption. It's always no, of course not. something negative, and, mm -hmm. and both of our stories have something like that in it. So I'm glad you were here to share it with others. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, I, I actually write for Adoption.com now online. Oh, do you? And I share, yeah, I share a lot of the details of my story and I interview other people that are in the triad. So, yeah, I've I've shared a lot of the bad parts of my story and all the good too. But, you know, the bad comes with the good. You can't have the good without that loss at yeah, the beginning. So. That's right. I agree 100%. Wow. All right. Thanks for being here with me, Margaret Jane. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Of course. You take care. All the best. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, it's me. Margaret Jane grew up in a family that was familiar with adoption based on her grandmother's own experience and in a community that knew she was adopted when she didn't even know that about herself. It was crazy to hear that MJ's story was filled with such amazing positivity from her connection to her husband and her in-laws from the very first year of her life to her birth mother's ability to peer into her life via MJ's cousin's continued connections to Jenny. MJ has the rare experience of having her adoptive parents be supportive of her adoption reunion, 
her birth mother being comfortable spending time with her adoptive family, and a positive adoption reunion experience to overcome her separation from Jenny decades ago. I'm really glad that things worked out the way that they did for everyone. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you found something in Margaret Jane's journey that inspired you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn, who am I really? If you would like to share your story of adoption in your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can follow me on Instagram at Damon L. Davis and follow the podcast at WAI Really. And please, if you like the show, take a moment to leave a five-star review in your podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me when I tell you, your ratings really do help other adoptees like us to find the podcast too.